0: R.J. Freed turned down the National Hockey League first to pursue his college education and then later for a career in comedy. So far, so good. Fried is an Emmy-nominated and WGA award-winning comedy writer, producer, and performer whose credits have included Triumph's election special 2016, Mayan Marty, Onion Sports Dome, The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell, Popzilla, and Robin Big. He's consulted for Sasha Baron Cohen, and he has written and performed on stage for Late Show with David Letterman. More recently, Freed has become a creator, showrunner, and executive producer on multiple animated series and movies with Stephen Colbert. Among them are Cartoon President, Tuning Out the News, and now the topical tune satire, Fairview for Comedy Central. He joined me over Zoom to talk about what he loves about his work and what he's learned along the way. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com. So you can read bonus commentary on this episode, as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance. And now that that's out of the way, let's get to it. Less things first, congratulations on getting yet another animated series on, on the TV with Fairview.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited and feel super, super blessed. This is, uh, it's, it's always a long haul to get a show up. So feel so fortunate that this one is up and out there. And, and, uh, Comic Central's always been a, a dream to work with. So, uh, uh, this is my first, first one with them. And that's, that's been a thrill.
0: Now, before people start to get into the weeds with, with animation analysis, let's see if we can clear this up. The characterization of the characters for Fairview, are they in any way influenced by eggheads or Weeble Wobbles? Okay,
1: so here is so animation, the hardest thing to animate are legs and hands. And so we wanted to make a topical animated uh, series here. This is actually these are are uh, written in a week recorded animatic animation all within about 3 or 4 weeks and so if you add you know legs and and hands into that it, it can really slow things down so the idea was let's i mean this is the reason that south park looks looks the way it does um and their hands are circles and they have little circle thumbs and so we thought let's let's come up with a design that that is works with the comedy, but also just works with the production pipeline of trying to turn around a, a, a topical show, and then uh, that's what we came up with.
0: Right, because you're not only following South Park in terms of a time slot with Comedy Central, you're also yeah. kind of following the the template they kind of revolutionized in terms of having such a quick turnaround for stories.
1: For sure, yeah. I mean, this show doesn't exist without South Park. Uh, the other, I, I would say, this show is also. You know, um, tuning out the news. We also do. We we would do that. That was uh, that pipeline was. We kind of came up with this design that was two dimensional, so that we could we could turn around daily animation. We were turning around about ten, fifteen, sometimes more uh, minutes of animation per day. Um, and so that design came up with these heads that you know had a certain head look, a certain lip sync, uh, three quarter turns, and all that. And what we Part of, the, part of the show came out of like, hey, let's try using that pipeline only in more of a, a kind of a sitcom format. And so those the same kind of the heads look similar to the the ones on tuning, and then the bodies. I would say you know we just try to keep nice and, and simple, uh, just to like I said to help sell the comedy and also keep production moving.
0: You mentioned Fairview is your first show with Comedy Central, yeah. But it's now your third show in. Are you creating a Colbert cartoon cinematic universe? Oh, I,
1: I've been, uh, so how this came about was I was hired, um, I had worked with Robert Smigel for a bunch of years and Colbert was looking for um, a showrunner for our cartoon president. And so he taught, he asked Smigel and Smigel kindly recommended uh, me to interview and I got the job and um, I had done animation early on in my career at an animation studio that was owned by uh, Dave Thomas from SCTV. Um, so it was, you know, vaguely familiar uh, with how to, how those pipelines work. And uh, so I got the job. And then from there, you know, we created tuning out the news in between seasons of our cartoon president, we created uh Fairview in between seasons of tuning out the news. And so it's just kind of snowballed.
0: Right. And of course you worked with, with Michael on triumph stuff, Mm-hmm. And Smigel worked with Colbert on TV Funhouse. How how uh, inspirational or influential was TV Funhouse for you growing up?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole like Smigel, Conan uh, genre of comedy, and I would say even like The Simpsons, uh, that's what I grew up on. And it was this, it was always this feeling of, there was always kind of a sense of underlying, I would say weirdness with them that always just spoke to me uh, spoken a language, whispers in your ear in a language, I would say that I'm sure a lot of comedy people and, and, you know, uh, and comedy fans can relate to, uh, it feels like you're, you're in some kind of secret club and they, they always had that whisper in their comedy and, um, yeah, hugely influential, uh, and to, to get to work with, uh, Robert and also you know, learn his processes and how he gets to these amazing products was um, really great. And I think part of the reason, you know, the Colbert connection worked out was because he knew I had been through this, my goal, uh, seen that production process, writing process up close and knew how intense it was and, and how to make the things of that, you know, or at least try to make things of
0: that, that quality. What, what turned you on to animation though, at the very beginning?
1: Um, I don't even know if it was something that was a conscious decision. It, it really is like my, I think, I think I found more and more that like my, people will say, Hey, you're the, the, Oh, your writing is weird or whatever. And I, I it didn't occur to me as weird, but to, to other people, it, you know, I think the ideas I tend to go to are more, um, animated, uh, ideas. Um, and you know, in that format, you can get away with so much more and, Uh, it's not as, you know, something that uh, a human face says, uh, can be (laughs) really offensive, but if an animated character does it, it's okay. And it washes over you. And so I think it's just where, you know, where the action was in terms of, of my comedy and the kind of people that were responding to it. But I love, you know, loved, uh, writing on late show and live action and Night too many stars and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it does seem like People have been naturally pushing me toward toward this format.
0: Was there something about about comedy or animation that that has always had a bigger pull on you than say hockey? Because you could have been <laughs> you could have been a hockey player. I mean, you yeah. were a hockey player through yeah. prep school and college, and and were drafted by the NHL.
1: Yeah, a lot less concussions in animation for sure. Uh, you know, there's something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will say. Uh, hockey, well, hockey, first of all, is like, even like, if you're really successful, it's like a five year career. And so, uh, you know, at least animation, you can, you can make a living, you can eventually retire on, uh, sometime, uh, you know, in your fifties, you're not gonna play hockey usually past your, once you're in your low thirties, you're already an old man. Um, and Let's so Gordie Howe. Yeah, exactly. No, he's, yeah, he's, I think he went to his 50s, was like the only one ever to do it. Um, but I will say, like, you know, uh, being in hockey teams is not dissimilar to being in a production environment where, where you're trying to get everyone into a coherent vision of what we're doing, um, trying to inspire people to work hard and do their best work. Uh, there are certainly principles that I learned as a hockey player that still apply to, you know, what, what we do.
0: And then, so you went to Harvard, but you didn't do the like t- the traditional Harvard to the Simpsons or Harvard to the Lampoon to the SNL pipeline, right?
1: Yeah, I was in um, I was in Colin Joe's class at at Harvard, and I didn't. I was playing sports. I, I played hockey. Also played lacrosse, and I never did the Lampoon, which I almost feel like was like, uh, worse because then after I got out, everyone was always like, why weren't you in a lampoon? Why didn't you do a lampoon?" And, uh, I was, uh, I was a jack. And so, um, I was writing for a a magazine called satire five, which was the kind of the onion of, um, of Harvard. And, um, I know like Dan Mintz wrote for it way back when, and, um, that was something I could do like on the bus ride to the games and, you know, and scratch that itch. And, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, you you I, uh, once I moved to LA, I immediately had to try to shed 40 pounds of muscle because uh, I looked ridiculous going into into entertainment meetings. I was I was 220 and five percent body fat, so it was uh, you know. So luckily, uh, uh, over the course of the years, I, I shed a lot of muscle and uh, at least look somewhat more like a writer.
0: Well, you you didn't have to do that though. Like I, one of my college classmates was Matt Eisenman. Who was uh-huh. a baseball player at Princeton, and then yeah. you know now he's the host of lo- long running American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> wow! See, if
1: I if I was in front of the camera, I could see that working. Right, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I I remember thinking this is just this is just not going to work in a, a writer's <laughs> meeting, I'm walking all jacked and stuff.
0: <laughs> Although you know when you're like working for Onion Sports Zone, so that's you know they don't they kind of encourage you to. To be like a meathead, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, look. Another day, like those. I I, I I vividly remember working with the crew, which was a, such a super smart crew. And all of those writers ended up uh, have gone on to, to great things. I mean, um, you know, Jack Kakoda works at Murderville, and Seth Reese is a is one of the head writers at Seth Meyers, and uh, Jeff Loveness I think is now writing like Marvel movies and stuff. It, it was a it was such a cool crew. Uh, of writers, but yeah, I mean, you know, they there were sports fans, and I tried to, you know, at the end of the day, like all oh, your comedy has to be accessible, so it can't be like, uh, I know you guys don't get this, but I'm telling you, in the Manitoba locker rooms, it's gonna kill. Is is not really not really good enough, yeah.
0: <laughs> Saskatchewan will love yes. this bit, yeah. Um, you know, looking at your resume, I mean, the thing that really pops out for me is that you spent a couple of years working for Lawrence O'Donnell. in in cable news and i i wonder especially you know now that you've been show running uh tuning out the news and like doing topical humor and animation how did your how did your comedy inform your time with msnbc and lawrence o'donnell and how did your time with lawrence o'donnell inform your comedy
1: a lot uh you know I think uh first of all, like uh, Lawrence is one of the smartest people, if not the smartest, I've ever worked with, and I think what he taught me was basically how to think about politics and, and the questions to ask and um that's kind of the most important thing at all is how do I approach a story and and try to understand the shape of the issue, who wrote the story, what angle were they coming from who might have who might have been paying them to write that story um who are the people in it, and what are the pressures on them and I think you know he taught me certainly to kind of think three-dimensionally about, about politics in a way that I did not before. And um, also there's just the fundamentals of just writing fast. I mean, the, those shows get, uh, those news shows are written very quickly. I would argue too quickly. And uh, they, you know, so when you go to tuning out the news where we're kind of writing, we're writing scripts over the course of like, Two two and a half hours in the morning. It's not long. If, if I remember before, when I found out, like when I was coming up as a writer and found out how quickly, like the Colbert Report was writing scripts, it was like, I can't imagine writing comedy that quickly. But then, you go to these news shows and it's like there's no choice. The show's coming on at 10 p.m. or or whenever it is, and you got to be, uh your copy has to be good. It's got to be buttoned up. It's got to be fact checked. Uh, it's got to be entertaining. Uh, all those those skills definitely translated when eventually we did tuning out
0: the news. What about before tuning out? You know, you were working with Robert Smigel, yeah, on a couple of different shows involving Triumph, the yeah. insult Comic Dog, and how did how did your time in in cable news like help you in terms of like feeding Robert lines when he's in the field? Not just you know working in a studio with Jack McBrayer, but then also yeah. Out on the election campaign.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you have to know, I think to do comedy in the political space, you have to have a pretty, you have to know what you're talking about. And and if, if I can't think of a joke, I, I kind of feel like it's like, well, I haven't done enough research to understand what is the angle here? What is the point of view um, that you have to have? And so I would say, honestly, it's just, Having an index, or at least knowing, like you can't have an opinion on something unless you're really you've read up on it. And so, um, I, I think that's the that's the biggest thing that helps you in that setting is if someone says something, knowing where the contradiction is, knowing where the bad logic is, you can only know if you if you've done your homework. Um, and uh, on the field, that certainly that certainly helps.
0: So how so how did that change your your reading habits from when you were maybe just scanning headlines for Letterman Yeah. to then what, how did your, how did your actual like news diet change over the years?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, it sounds so stupid, but just read to the end of the article. Uh, you know, it's like, there's so many times where you'll see an article online and they'll say, this is the headline and this is the story. And then you read it and you realize that that's not the headline. That's not the story. The real point was down here in this bottom paragraph um and you you know honestly i tell uh, my my news diet is very uh diverse uh, I still think you know like New York Times and washington post are are still the best out there uh and some great reporting uh but you know it 's coming from all these interesting places, whether it 's uh the intercept or you know there's 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 tons of great places out there, but i think it 's approaching it with a critical eye and reading a lot. And uh, challenging your own opinions and, and doing your own research, at, at tuning out the news. We had this amazing research uh, team that broke news uh, frequently um, when we just go digging on something that just didn't look uh, quite right. And uh, we'd often break news that and we we'd be ahead of the ahead of the actual the real news uh, in in finding something.
0: How has it changed your view of social media in terms of a an information source? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, t- you know, Twitter is a tough one and it <laughs> it it's it just you know, these issues are really complicated that that we're dealing with on whether it's fair view or tuning or whatever we do. Um, you know, immigration or covid or you know, it, they're they're all very complicated nuanced issues and the shape of them is just so much bigger than, you know, 280 characters or whatever uh it is now. And so, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm much less ready to take a headline, uh, at face value. Uh, it terrifies me to, to, to when our, you know, we'd always be careful on tuning. Where do we want to plant our flag? Where, where do we feel good about? This is the point of view we want to put out there, what we think of this. And also try to make sure it's not conventional thinking. I, I think there's definitely like, there's very much an echo chamber that can happen in, in Twitter with, conventional thinking and this is the take and everyone has their variation on it um, and trying to challenge that is I think super important and tuning was very important to us the thing I like always admired about the daily show or the Colbert report is there there's always a sense of surprise that might come I mean it was always a familiar format but there was always like oh I never thought about it that way I never had that perspective on it and certainly with tuning it was always something we strive for let's challenge our audience in some way uh, every night and, and and offer something original
0: well, you're also, I mean, that show also challenged the guests because you, you had to have the real live politicians or, or experts interact with cartoons. Yeah. Asking, asking Colbert style questions.
1: Yeah. And our guests were always wonderful. I mean, uh, some had a good time. Some did not have a good time. Some, some seemed to like, even though they didn't have a bad time, they still said they had a good time. So, uh, but yeah, it could, you know, uh, like I guess they they would be looking at like they would be on a zoom with us and they'd be looking at a picture of the character, so they knew it was like it was coming out of cartoon's mouth, but maybe you know I think that kind of would soften the blow. but the thing that delighted us always is whenever someone did get upset, it was always just like you'd see them arguing with the cartoon and it was just absurd. I mean it's like arguing with 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 triumph or with a sasha Baron Cohen character. there's some absurdity
0: to it that was always just wonderful and are they but what are they interacting with? In real time, when they're doing the interview,
1: they're hearing all the characters in real time, and they know but, what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not anim; they're 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 right because became- you can't animate it
0: live. So it's
1: yeah, they're they actually are animating it live. Uh, what that show was we'd have the actors just in a you know in a Zoom, and there would be animators simultaneously who were doing motion capture animation. So it was being animated live, but they wouldn't necessarily. See that live? Um, so. Is that how the
0: is that how the the occasional animated bits work on Colbert?
1: Some of them they did do live. I think there was like the Hillary Clinton one. Um, I, I believe at a convention one year was actually like live live animation. It's still like that's I think ultimately the dream of that format is to do a new show that is animated live. Uh, we've definitely experimented with it. Um, I would say probably the biggest hurdle is lip flap is the the lip flap technology is not quite uh refined enough that it's not
0: distracting um i wish we could have a separate half hour episode just on lip flap technology
1: (laughs) yeah oh my god boy (laughs) i don't know do you really want to jump the shark like that just (laughs) go that broad
0: uh you know earlier i mentioned uh half jokingly a colbert cartoon cinematic universe but in the 2021 finale of, of Tuning Out the News, into the series debut of Fairview, football character, the football robot character appears in both.
1: Oh, my God. Does it? Footbot? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, well, so, yeah, for those listening who don't know, the first episode of Fairview uh, features, uh, uh, I guess, our take on the football robot character. Uh, his, uh, his name is Footbot. Um, he has, uh, most certainly has CTE, but he's still proud and, uh, and wants to help the gang, uh, particularly our character Glenn, uh, start to listen to his doctor, but, uh, God, I I didn't even realize that connection.
0: Well, yeah, because the most recent, I don't know if it is the finale is, is tuning out coming back for more, uh, uh, news to come, uh, (laughs) uh, well, the, the most recent episode that you can watch on Paramount Plus uh, leads in with Aaron Rodgers because mm-hmm. it was November of 2021 and Aaron Rodgers was, uh, taking his medical advice from Joe Rogan, who Joe Rogan just said this week is ludicrous for anyone to be taking their medical advice from him. So mm-hmm. jokes on you, Aaron Rodgers, again. Um, but yeah, foot, <laughs> there's a foot, I don't know if it's the same footbot. Uh, it might be i I'd have to check the files
1: uh you know there's all all that legal stuff that we have to go through to make sure it's not uh close to the to the real thing and so mm-hmm. uh uh yeah, I'm not sure if it's the same one i, I did not notice the continuity and I, I swear to god it was it was unintentional unless you think it's brilliant in which case well,
0: yeah. i mean no i mean it seems obvious that you know to be topical that that the the series debut for fairview would would take on the super bowl or as anyone yeah. who's not affiliated with the nfl has to call it the big game
1: exactly i i wonder how many people are in on that joke you can't <laughs> say super bowl on tv so the, the i feel like every tv show goes with the big game and it right. like
0: people, people know what you're talking about but that's a, but that's an easy way to like lead into to to have a big event like that yeah as a topical hook to hang on but yeah. but but moving forward how how are you deciding what what piece of the news really fits the worldview that you're creating for Fairy?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've tried to go with, I, I would say, kind of like a South Parkian strategy of let's try to hit things that are are, are zeitgeisty, um, that are in the air without being, you know, overly, it, we don't want the show to, you know, especially in the day and age of, of streaming libraries and stuff, you don't want the show to feel like it's expired after it airs you know when it's too the references are too specific for for it to have any longevity so we try to go with you know let's say more universal themes and uh, not get too bogged down in, in references um, something that you could watch in five years and still understand it that said we wanted to feel like it is part of the, the conversation um, and so we'll choose topics I mean we're doing we obviously did COVID the first episode we're doing cancel culture it turns out like we we started to write that a few weeks ago before the whole Joe Rogan thing started to really blow up and more relevant than ever. We're doing something on um, on just worker struggles and the gig economy. We're going to do crime spike, which is a big thing, especially in Fox News world where they're, you know, obviously they'll they'll take these pieces of tape and they'll rerun them and make it seem like the world is falling apart. Critical race theory, crypto, you know, these themes that are kind of, are going to be around for months, I would say.
0: Now, what, what have you learned over the year? Like, because you've had a variety of bosses. (laughs) What, what are the things you've learned from each of them that, that have stuck with you?
1: Oh, um, so much. Uh, I, I would, I I can start with Stephen Colbert. Uh, The best, the, the, the the number one thing I've learned from him is just kindness and, and dignity. He's, Steven is everything um, he's cracked up to be and uh, like he is in front of the cameras, like he is behind the camera. And I, I think that's something that especially, you know, these shows are very hard to produce. Uh, I, I've uh, stupidly picked this genre, topical comedy. That's like just so production intensive and um, it's very stressful. And I think what Steven has certainly taught me is like to never lose your and you always have to have perspective and never lose your, your sense of, uh, just kindness and dignity with, with the people you work with. Uh, end of the day, it's just cartoons. Um, and, uh, you know, but on top of that, I would say, you know, he's also the best, uh, satir- uh you know, a uh, satirical mind of, of, you know, our, our generation and certainly being very deliberate with your satirical perspective. What are you trying to say here? Um, where do you want you to plant your flag? Um, yeah, and I could go through, you know, uh, David Letterman learning all about just uh, tone and the role of someone sitting at the desk versus what's happening around them. Robert Smigel, just work ethic and just relentless pursuit of the best joke. Uh, you know, you pick up a little something from from everyone.
0: What about from uh, Maya and Marty?
1: Maya and Marty. Yeah, that was such a cool like I never worked in Lauren Michaels world and um got the opportunity to do it and and you know it was super great i i just had never worked in that kind of I- environment and it, it was great uh you know got to write that's i would say probably skews more towards you know that, that's like network prime time which is a little i would say much more of a, a broader audience and you know you have to kind of uh, tweak the muscle to do that um but it was it was great and to work you know brian tucker such a lovely person uh mikey day uh really brilliant and uh streeter Seidel, um sudie green there's just so many wonderful people over there uh, who were just such a pleasure
0: well that wasn't that wasn't just network prime time tv it was also very much a, a throwback variety series oh. which may have been why it didn't go more than a summer uh look
1: uh take it up but, with, uh i'm not i'm not gonna dare cross lauren michaels Okay. <laughs> <laughs> something tells me my chair will just go out from under me and i will disappear
0: fair enough um are there are there any live action ideas or 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 people who could lure you back to do another oh, live action pro- project
1: yeah for sure i mean um you know the yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, animation is fun because you know you do get uh, a fair amount of control over all aspects. I think that's what probably I would say animation producer writers really enjoy is is you can there's uh you there's not much left to chance. I mean you can really whether it's when the characters blink and which of the thirty takes of the line you want to use. There's just a lot of control. Uh, that said. There's something wonderful about uh, you know live action and the spontaneity of that. I, I mean, the going on the road with with Smigel on the during those election campaigns was just such a thrill, and, and the spontaneity and the what's going to happen next, and also the inherent danger of it was always wonderful. Um, you know, I got a chance to sit in on the the writers' room for uh, Sasha Baron cohen show the who who is america on showtime and uh to see his process and and he's so daring and there's something in that level of tension and danger and comedy that i think tuning tried to capture certainly with some guests that uh is is such a thrill and i think the audience can feel that that level of tension and how raw it is that's uh so fun and i would definitely go back to at some point
0: of course though one of the things that's changed we're we're very close in age. One of the things that's changed just in our lifetime is the idea that an animated show can last for a generation
1: yeah, um yeah, you don't like I mean the Simpsons what year are they on now? It's like thirty years or something like that. <laughs> yeah uh, things are much more yeah things are certainly much more erratic. I mean that's why you kind of can't get caught up in any one series honestly uh you can't think that this is my this is my ticket uh you just never know what's going to happen and have to be ready with your next idea
0: but it seems like when those things hit now i mean maybe it's just fox because Mm -hmm. they've done it with the simpsons and family guy and now bob's burgers um but it seems like networks might be if if an animated show works they're they're more willing to stick with it because animation doesn't get old
1: Yeah, it doesn't get old. It also travels well internationally is my understanding. Um, And it's also I would say probably easier to just like control costs of it, you know. Um, uh, It's a little less sensitive, you know, in a live action show, um, you know, the talent's in front of the camera and the audience has fallen in love with their face. And so they have a lot of, they have a lot of leverage uh, in those situations. Uh, You're not going to you're not going to find someone with their exact face. And so uh, whereas in animation, I think probably my guess is they're able to control costs over the long term a little, a little better because it, it's not necessarily a star driven and that probably helps the longevity.
0: Well, and also when you're skipping out on, on legs and hands, it's even that much simpler. Oh, buddy. Yeah, we <laughs> save a lot of money on them. <laughs> well, RJ, uh, how would you feel if I talked to you in, in another 25 years about season 26 of Fairview?
1: Uh, awesome. I mean, it's a super fun show to produce. It's because it has a topical element. It's always going to evolve. And so, uh, I also have to say the cast, um, uh, James Austin Johnson from SNL, uh, Cherla, uh, Lisa Gilroy, um, Marina Cockenberg plays the, the mayor. They're just some lovely, wonderful people. And we have these zoom records on Mondays now, and they're, they're such a, they're just so fun and they you know we when we cast it's not just uh hey you're super funny it's hey you're super funny and we want to hang out with you every week and make this show so uh, I, i'd be very blessed to, to get to do it for years
0: well rj thank you for hanging out with me i really appreciate it of
1: course thank you so much for having me <laughs>
0: This episode of The Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazel at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening.